trying something a little different this week. I'd like to tell you it's a groundbreaking original idea, but that would be a bald-faced lie, because what I'm actually doing is swiping the format of the podcast How Did This Get Made, which I love, and applying it specifically to weird pro wrestling movies. There are more of them than you might think. WWE is obsessed with making endless direct-to-DVD action movies, Sting made an evangelical Christian biopic, and there's literally hundreds of swingin' Lucha Libre films from Mexico where El Santo and Blue Demon go to Atlantis and fight vampires and shit. But even in this exalted company, the first example I've chosen is a truly baffling one. In the world of classic cartoons, it's often been asked, Scooby-Doo, where are you? Tonight, WWE gets all up in Hanna-Barbera's business, forcing me to ask, Scooby-Doo, why are you? Tonight on I Hate Wrestling, it's Scooby-Doo, a WrestleMania mystery. I started taking notes, and then I immediately realized that this was folly. I was not going to be able to keep up with how many questions I had about the motion picture known as Scooby-Doo, a WrestleMania mystery. Which is the original title for it, because I know they changed it for some broadcast. Oh, 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 did you do, did you do some additional research? Did you, did you try to solve some of the mystery? Uh, I didn't, I didn't try to solve the mystery per se, but it, it apparently, uh, it was retitled the Scooby-Doo, the WWE mystery, uh, and they changed the name of WrestleMania to Superstar Mania. There is no reason given for the changes. That is insane to me. WWE owns the rights to WrestleMania. Exactly as much as they own the rights to WWE. <laughs> so unless it had something to do with they just wanted more money to use the WrestleMania name in further broadcasts, I, I don't know. I don't... I Okay, first of all, before we go all the way the hell into this rabbit hole, Jason, welcome back to the show. Good to be back. Is it is it good to be back? Because we're about for, to for this reason and this reason alone, I I have to say yes, yes it, it is. It's good if you're going through hell, don't go alone. I guess so. Let me just real quick. You know what I was gonna say? I'm gonna explain what we're doing here, but I have the opportunity to ex- to record an intro later on that explains what the hell we're doing here. So let's try to explain what the hell the Scooby Gang was doing. <laughs> I literally just turned this off, and I am struggling. remember what they were doing (laughs) so this movie is a film in which animation that's that's being generous calling it either a movie or a film this is a way to spend 90 minutes in which cartoon icon scooby-doo gets manchurian candidated I wrote that down. <laughs> I wrote Manchurian Candidate. Scoobert Dew gets Manchurian Candidated to shut down the nuclear reactor underneath WrestleMania, which is taking place in WWE City, which is like 
a self-contained medieval manor? I, I wrote, is WWE City like the, Olymp- the, the village or is it a tourist site? And I think it's both. They have that, that road sign at the very beginning uh, when Kane's walking by the, the sign that says, come to WWE City. Why would the sign talk? It's on a road. Cars are going by so fast. Even if a car is going by at 10 miles an hour, it's not going to be able to be there long enough to hear the sign speak for like 10 full seconds. Also, imagine that you're walking through, and I'll get to why I believe this is Connecticut later on, but imagine that you're driving through Connecticut, the desolate wilderness of Connecticut, and you come across an enormous, like, 50-foot-tall statue of Triple H astride the highway like the Colossus of fucking Rhodes welcoming you to WWE City. This is the first scene in the movie. I I was... I really felt like... Like, one of the earliest notes I put was like, I'm assuming I'm supposed to know who these people are... Just, like, from, from moment one, like, I know who Kane is, and he just comes out, like, angry immediately. Yeah, crossing the road like a Bigfoot, yeah. And and set up like he's supposed to be the... Now, he still wrestles there, so I assume he, like, lives there, but the way they set him up was <laughs> as if he was some kind of, like, prodigal son character, and I thought was going to be the main villain. And no, he's just super angry but I sort of understood the like that film reviewer that gave Infinity War a bad review last year because he was like, they did no work to explain who any of these characters are. And it's like, well, at this point, that's, well, that's mo- on you. Motherfucker, you had 11 years. Yeah, so in this case, I was like, I understand that part of this is a team up with a franchise that I'm still very unfamiliar with. I didn't follow the Globetrotters, but when they were on Scooby-Doo, I was like, <laughs> okay, I get it. So I know, I know what's happening. Let me tell you, as someone who is in like the 99th percentile of knowing shit about WWE, I am still in the fucking weeds with this film. It doesn't help. Knowing about WWE doesn't help and might make it worse. <laughs> I did I did appreciate that they listed uh, the names of the WWE performers in the opening credits with pictures because sometimes the animation does not translate to how they actually look. Also thought it was really interesting that they listed the names of the Scooby-Doo characters in case any WWE fans are unfamiliar <laughs> with, the, with these characters. Which might be a sign that this that these two properties aren't necessarily going to form a, a Reese's-style, tastes-great-together concoction. Yeah. This is more like uh, some of those experimental ice cream flavors. Like, well, I don't know why they would put just a daffodil in it, but uh, <laughs> it's yeah. So the sign of a great crossover is that there's a sizable chunk of the audience who would enjoy both of these things and would know enough about both of these things to not have to have both of these things explained to them. So this is clearly a Scooby-Doo film, like a Hanna-Barbera production, because the film does not expend any effort in explaining Scooby-Doo. So WWE is being injected into the Scooby-Doo cinematic universe as opposed to vice versa. And there is, as you say with the Globetrotters, a rich tradition of this, but it was usually a situation where the Scooby gang would be 
you know, solving a mystery and the Three Stooges or the Harlem Globetrotters or Batman or whoever just happened to be there and help them solve a regular-ass Scooby-Doo mystery. It was very rarely a guest star branded mystery. I have to wonder what was contractually obligated to appear in the script. First of all, Vince McMahon, or I'm sorry, Mr. McMahon, because they do not use his first name, nor do they credit his first name. It is just Mr. McMahon. No. In a major case of like, yeah, you better know who this is. Uh, Well, okay, so there's actually a reason for this. So Vince McMahon is the principal owner of WWE in real life. Right. He also plays the principal owner of WWE on television. But the character that he plays on television is a cartoonishly evil person. So it is in the interest of the actual human being to put some distance between himself. He's like, I'm Vince McMahon. The character I portray is Mr. McMahon. So hence the insistent terminology. Okay, okay, that 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 tracks. I, I also I did write that it, it was weird to watch a cartoon uh, when they had the first scene of all the wrestling, watching a cartoon of what is essentially already a live action cartoon. Yeah, yeah, the cart the the drawn the ink and paper version of Vince McMahon was less cartoonish than the actual human being Vince McMahon. He was moving way less than his voice would imply. Like, I'm imagining him running around the studio, (laughs) just the amount of energy in his voice, and then, maybe for budgetary reasons, his character is usually standing very still, and his face does not show much emotion. No, and this this is very out of character for Vince McMahon, who... While he does not run, and probably cannot run, does power walk everywhere. Yeah, I feel like that... I've I've seen enough clips of Vince McMahon, especially after the the, uh, John Oliver profile recently, (laughs) to, like, get get an idea of what he's like in, you know, quote-unquote real life, you know, within the program. (laughs) And this was just, no, here's a middle-aged man that yells a lot. Right. But he's never saying anything angry you know it's just vince mcmahon knows what he's about and the character that they've written for him is not him so he's just like well you can't say you solve mysteries why don't you solve this one and it's like well sure i guess that's the plot huh and then mary mccormick holding it down i when she came in and i i, I checked because amazon prime will tell you who the yeah, actors are yeah it's, like, it's mary mccormick oh my god Easily, but like behind Matthew Lillard, the most professional actor in this entire thing. You could say that in 2014, true, but, true. but now in 2019, you might have to say John Cena. <laughs> well, because I also said John, John Cena's like appreciable comedic chops did not translate well in a, I assume, relatively low budget cartoon. There, I, there was at least three like reaction shots that I could imagine the real John Cena doing, but otherwise was just a cartoon glancing to the side. Yeah, so here's part of the problem, and and maybe the major problem with this film, is that the writers have never seen a professional wrestling show before. They don't know what it is, they don't know how it works, and they're not aware of the personalities of any of the players involved. (laughs) Who was it that just kept making funk puns? Oh, that was the Funkasaurus, Brodus Clay. 
Okay, so that that's literally he said nothing that was not like that's funky. Right. So I imagine th- this is how I imagine this happened. Uh, first of all, Satan himself brought WWE and Hanna Barbera together via LinkedIn or something, and he pitched this film. <laughs> and Hanna Barbera was like, "Well, who should we use?" And they basically had WWE send them over a bunch of eight by tens of who they thought would work well as an animated character because everybody that they picked was visually interesting. I mean, except for John Cena, but you know, he's John Cena. So the, it's yeah. conceivable that Hanna-Barbera already knew who he was. <laughs> They're like, well, do you still employ the rock? You don't. Okay. We'll take John Cena and four of your other visually distinct characters, please. Yes. So, that's how we get, and let's break down the cast a little bit here, and, and perhaps I can fill in the blanks about uh, sort of the inclusion here. We've got uh, A.J. Lee, who is who is the, the single female WWE employee, with the exception of, uh, of I can't remember her name now, the, the character's name, Miss something. Miss, uh, Miss Richards. Miss Richards, right. Yes. Who's the sheriff of WWE City or something? Yeah, the the, the she... laws were confused because she, <laughs> I get she would have to arrest Scooby-Doo for, uh, even even though he was sleepwalking, arrest him for stealing the, the championship <laughs> belt. I get, I get that she had to do that, but because Shaggy was the one that purchased the video game, he counts as an accomplice. First of all, let's note that she brought a gun. Miss Richards, a WWE corporate employee, was cleared to carry a handgun to arrest a dog that was hypnotized into stealing a WWE championship that was hidden in a Mission Impossible-style bunker filled with lasers. That he had to dance his way through. Yeah, so if you are listening to this and you're confused, I don't blame you. I do not blame you. And this is just a friendly hint to to the people at Hanna-Barbera. If you're going to do another one of these, please, for fuck's sake, watch a wrestling show. Or even just talk to me. Like, Hanna-Barbera, I love your work. I love Space Ghost. Love Birdman, love the Galaxy Trio. I'm still thinking, hey, Warner Brothers, you want to you wanna compete with Avatar that came out like 12 years ago? Do a live-action Herculoids movie, huh? Strike while that iron is hot. Anyway, my point is, the first scene that we see is Shaggy and Scooby-Doo sitting at home, playing a WWE video game. Shaggy is playing the WWE video game dressed as John Cena. I've never seen Shaggy wear anything but the sort of maroon pants and three sizes too big V-neck olive green t-shirt. So he has gone out to purchase a pair of jean shorts and nothing else. <laughs> so you could say he's, he's not dressed as John Cena so much as he's undressed as John Cena. He is undressed as John Cena. This is a sexy John Cena cosplay. And he's sexily cosplaying John Cena as he plays video games against his dog and loses. And it's, it, now this is a video game wherein you actually have to wrestle. Right. So they've not seen WWE. They've also never played a video game because they have joy pads, but then also 
they discard those so that they can do a victory dance, which is apparently some kind of motion capture let's dance situation. And they, they say, congratulations, you beat the hardest level ever. But there, it's not a level-based thing. They're playing against each other, so the level of difficulty has everything to do with your opponent and not anything that's built into the game. Right. So and one of the opponents dog beat his skinny friend. Well, I guess... And that's the hardest level ever. Handi- Talk about a handicap. Playing a video game with no thumbs is very difficult. True. <laughs> so... And then he's doing the dance, and there's a shot where you see him doing the dance with the screen in the background, and his dance moves do not match what's happening on the screen. Well, give him a break. He's a dog. (laughs) But then they say perfect score. Right. And we're just expected to accept, on good faith, that in this universe, video games have victory dances, and that pro wrestling has victory dances. And it's five years before Fortnite. Right. (laughs) And it's specifically... We'll get into this a little bit later when we talk about the cast, but Scooby-Doo's favorite wrestler is Sin Cara, who is, I can assure you, nobody's favorite wrestler. And Scooby-Doo, while inhabiting the spirit of this luchador, does this little dance, and we later find out from John Cena that luchadors communicate exclusively through interpretive dance, like bees? I, you know what? I I was totally fine with that. I, I <laughs> was I was on board with that concept. <laughs> bees. Anyway, I wrote I wrote the, I, I mean, if anything, the the least believable part of this entire thing. Not to jump ahead, but the least believable part was during WrestleMania when it cuts to the four hot college girls watching watching the match at home. Yeah, I thought, okay, now that I I. I Everything else, talking dogs, the lasers, this ghost bear, that's, yeah, I'm, I'm here for that. But four college girls just sitting down to watch WrestleMania? No. We we haven't even mentioned the fact that there's a ghost bear. So there's oh, yeah, a ghost that's, bear. That's the, main, the main antagonist of this program is a ghost bear, where they, what they said it was it was Sinkara's great 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 grandfather. Sinkara Grande. Was, yeah, which they said was a hundred years ago. But without really doing the math, great 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 grandfather seems like that would be considerably more than a hundred years ago. That's like a hundred and fifty minimum. Because in in twenty fourteen, Sinkara's how old? Late thirties. He was probably mid thirties at the time. Okay, so so mid thirties, like you go back two generations from that to maybe three, four. That's excessive. Right, we should be and in the fucking like, old west at this point. The bear like disappeared into the forest, and now it's back. And it's like, no, I I don't know what the bear's lifespan generally is, depending on the kind of bear. Uh, that there's no way that's the same. the bear was just so angry that it is now haunting. Well. We do see the skeleton of the bear later on, so it is we confirmed. Do, yeah. It is confirmed. So let's let's backtrack a little bit. Let's see if we can follow the plot of this film. So so Shaggy and Scooby successfully, well, Scooby specifically, successfully completes the forbidden dance, and then Vince McMahon appears on the screen and says that they've won tickets to WrestleMania. 
he yells that they've won tickets to WrestleMania. <laughs> it's it's like a, a shout, a guttural emanation that they have won tickets to Wrestling Mania. Commands them to arrive at WWE City. Right. So then Shaggy and Scooby are then forced to harangue their friends and supplicate themselves before the uh, the Scooby gang and beg them to please go to WrestleMania. Which resulted in one of the most uncomfortable things I've ever heard in a Scooby-Doo cartoon. The phrase, Scooby-Doo almost got milked. <laughs> so, I have so many questions about the, about the milking situation. So Shaggy... There are parts where hair has not grown back, he said. <laughs> I know! Scooby-Doo's fucking bikini zone is a plot point in this film. But listen. Listen. Scooby-Doo and Shaggy, they're begging. They're begging. Please, they say, you owe us, uh, Mystery Gang. You, 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 you owe... Oh, Mystery Inc., that's what they're called. Uh, Mystery Inc., friends, you owe us because you're constantly using us as bait to catch various monsters, and then uh, Shaggy pulls out a... By the way, Daphne is texting during this scene, which is very uncomfortable for me. She's texting the whole time. Velma is, like, on an iPad, and Fred is, like, he goes into a lot of detail about his camera, so I wrote down Chekhov's camera, assuming if this is talked about this heavily early on, then obviously this is going to be a plot point in the third act. And it wasn't no it wasn't they played it up like it was but then it wasn't but i think not at all i think maybe they just felt like freddie needed a thing because he's sort of very bland as a character yeah he's i mean he's the, the quote unquote leader and he's i guess daphne's boyfriend yeah there's some weird dynamics going on there involving john cena that we'll get to in a minute but yes they Despite the fact that we've established that cell phones exist in the Scooby-Doo universe, which I don't feel is okay, I don't think Scooby-Doo should be in the modern day, I think it's perverse and I think it's wrong, but Shaggy pulls out, especially because they're still dressed like it's the 19-fucking-70s. Fred's still wearing bell-bottoms. Yeah, un unless they, like, really lampshade that, like, Brady Bunch movie style. But they don't, they do mention that they wear the same outfits every day. Yeah, I thought that was weird because at, at one point, Velma was like, I'll go to... Uh, I'll go to WrestleMania because I don't. I'm tired of smelling Grandpa Dinkley's body odors. And then later on, Shaggy lampshades the fact that they wear the same outfits every day. And I'm like, hey, uh, Velma, you live in a glass house of stink. Maybe don't throw stones at your grandpa. <laughs> yeah, that's. Uh, I, I couldn't tell if. Because once I got to that point, I was like, are they trying to make this super meta? Is that the, the ride that we are now on? But no, it was really inconsistent as far as like how self-aware they are. Right. Is this like the live-action Scooby-Doo? Because we do have Matthew Lillard present. Uh, you know, are we doing a wink and a nod at the whole thing? Or are we here for the ride unironically? And they couldn't decide, and it was fucking weird. But anyway, Shaggy pulls out a fucking stack of glossy 8x10 photos of all of the times that they've been put in Jeopardy by their friends. Uh, not real Jeopardy, though, because I don't think any of the the quote-unquote monsters that they've ever encountered have been willing to kill before, except this one, because this one is out for fucking blood, and it's a miracle that it didn't hurt anybody. 
But anyway, they pull out this stack of photos and Shaggy uh, says something about like the haunted milkmaid tried to milk Scooby-Doo. What the fuck crime were they trying to commit? <laughs> like, I, I, you, <laughs> like, I, I bet that that was the writers being like, we really, uh, we have been given this assignment and we are not under a lot of supervision here because we know that most of this is going over the audiences. This almost feels like the kind of like they pretended they didn't want this assignment just so that they were like, oh, no, please don't make us do one that we don't have to put a lot of real effort into. Oh, no. And then got to just like dick around and pass off like a B minus script. Yeah, it could be. It could be. There's some there's something going on here. Because it certainly was an effort. Um, So they essentially take a vote. Daphne doesn't want to go, but everybody else agrees to go. And Fred's like, I'll go, gang. Let's all pile in the van. It's still fucking Frank Welker. Oh, yeah. Frank Welker has been playing the the role of Freddie Jones for approximately 80 years and is still going strong. He sounds phenomenal and... Has, Has not aged a day. No, the bodies of Casey Kasem and Don Messick are rotting in the ground, and Frank Welker is still marching forward, fearlessly. And and not just as as Fred, but as Scooby Doo. I know, I, and that just made me think: Was he waiting for Don Messick to die? Was he sitting there in the booth with Don Messick and just like, just wait, just wait, my biding my time, old man, just biding my fucking time? Then it's gonna be it's gonna be Frank's show. Yeah, that's that's his his ultimate goal is take over every character on Scooby Doo. <laughs> Watch out, Matthew Lillard. Watch out, Mindy Cohn. Why is Mindy Cohn playing Velma? She's doing a great job, but it's it's weird that there are like two, or at least there were for a point in like the mid twenty tens, two separate Scooby Doo cartoon franchises. There was the 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 like one that was animated a little more in like a almost family guy style that was for lack of a better term more cartoonish where they just made Daphne like a crackpot <laughs> but but Velma on that was Kate Micucci which I thought was A plus casting oh that's adorable uh, and I think Fred was still Frank Welker <laughs> so the school I, I guess maybe there was a point in the late 2000s where the Scooby-Doo brand just went fucking buck wild. They threw it all at the wall and saw what stuck. They were like, let's cross over with WWE. Let's take them into the modern day. And we had uh, What's New Scooby-Doo. When I searched on Amazon Prime for this and I started typing Scooby-Doo, there have been like 50 of these direct-to-DVD Scooby-Doo films released in the last 10 years. Oh, yeah. It's, oh, yes. it's insane. I, I, I want to pull up just a, pull up a list now. Scooby-Doo, main article, list of Scooby-Doo media. Okay. Uh, 43 films, <laughs> 27 short films, 14 television series. Not, and these, are, these films are not including the new Scooby movies, which were, I think, just one-hour episodes of television, right? Yes, yes. So there was a, a Scooby-Doo, just for TV, Scooby-Doo, where are you? New Scooby-Doo movies, The Scooby-Doo Show, Scooby's All-Star Laugh Olympics. I remember Scooby-Doo that. Scooby-Doo and Scrappy-Doo, uh, 
a different Scooby-Doo and Scrappy-Doo, the new <laughs> Scooby and Scrappy-Doo show, The 13 Ghosts of Scooby-Doo, uh, a, a pop named Scooby-Doo, which I remember watching as a kid. I like that new one. Scooby-Doo. So there was, about, there was about a decade without a formal Scooby-Doo television show. Uh, then there's What's New Scooby-Doo, Shaggy and Scooby-Doo Get a Clue, Scooby-Doo Mystery Incorporated, Be Cool Scooby-Doo, and now there's Scooby-Doo and Guess Who, which I guess is coming out this year, which without reading, I assume is Scooby-Doo teaming up with the 60s Canadian rock band, the Guess Who. <laughs> They're always trying to get Daphne and, uh, and Velma to get away from them. Uh, oh, yeah. In a direct-to-video films, uh, there are th- the upcoming one is the thirty-third, the Return to Zombie Island. Now there, oh god, oh, there's so many. Of these. This film plays. There's a play. There are five stage plays. <laughs> what? Listen, I have to assume they are all done in theme parks, but even so, there are five separate. I, oh no, Scooby-Doo and Stage Fright. 2001 to 2005 plus world tours in 05, 07, and 09. This toured. Oh yeah, sure. It was in the. I'm sure. I'm sure it played in the West End. <laughs> uh, you know, we'll yeah, never. Yeah, where they really they lean into the Scoobert end of it. Yeah, we'll we, we'll never we'll never forget. Uh, you know, Dame Maggie Smith's turn as Velma. Jinkies. <laughs> Jinkies. Now, hold on a second. Hold on a second. We got to fantasy cast this right fucking now. We've got we've got Maggie Smith as Velma. We've got obviously Benedict 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 Cumberbatch's friend. As well, he's more of a shaggy, surely at least physically. Yeah, but I I never have seen him as a as a loose personality. No, you're right. He's not loose. All right, so we'll give that to Fred. Uh, shaggy, obviously Brian Blessed. Yes. Yes. <laughs> Daphne Karen Gillen yeah so I basically just I I, I basically let us hear so I could say zoinks Scoob (laughs) (laughs) okay this is why I need money and power so I can make things like this a reality some insane person has money and power and made this film a reality (laughs) You need to be the force of good that balances out the force of evil that brought us Scooby-Doo, a WrestleMania mystery. I, I would like to thank whoever, like, once so they, they get in a car accident and then John Cena arrives to lift their car from the, a ditch, at which point Daphne reacts in a way that can only be described as sploosh. Yeah, it is pornographic. She is capital W wet for John Cena she immediately. is Horde for John Cena. She is so surprised by the fact that these greased up bodybuilders are physically attractive, which makes me think she's never heard of professional wrestling. Well, that would make her much like the writers of this particular movie, wouldn't it? So she's the audience surrogate. Well, she's the creator surrogate. True, true, yeah. So, as you mentioned, they drive their mystery machine off the road. Because of a weird sentient raccoon? Yeah, that goes like full Keanu in the Matrix. Yeah, they used up... They cut to the raccoon under the van as it's spinning out. (laughs) And the raccoon's just sitting there and like eating a piece of fish. Yeah, yeah, look at that. They used up 90% of their animation budget on the scene where the raccoon almost gets hit by a car. 
and then the raccoon escapes into the woods. Scooby chases it, which is the first time in like 50 years I've ever seen Scooby Doo act like a dog. Yeah, yeah, he is not dog like at all. And he's also angry, which I've never seen. Scooby Doo is in a blind rage and chasing this raccoon, apparently trying to kill it, into the woods. And at, at this point, we meet Lemmy? That's where they find this, like, yeah, this, <laughs> this old man. And the first thing I wrote was, old guy did it. But I also knew he didn't because they never introduced the villain that early. No. Uh, yeah, that, that, was, that was the red herring, not to be confused with Red Herring, the character from A Pup Named Scooby-Doo. No, of course. Well, maybe this is how Red Herring grew up. <laughs> oh, of course. That makes sense. And he's angry that WWE City keeps encroaching on his land. <laughs> but I, I have to assume an enterprise of this magnitude would be doing so legally. WWE has an eminent domain claim on his land or something? What the fuck are we doing? Manifest Destiny? So, uh, WWE City is a self-contained city-state in which WWE is the only thing that happens. <laughs> and it is like a walled-off city. They have big gates like fucking Jurassic Park. And within the gates, only wrestlers live there, and all they do is wrestle, and... They just wrestle there, and they have all the wrestling there, and at no point in the film does it seem like wrestlers ever leave WWE City. Except for Kane. Except for Kane. But even he was like, he lost his championship match and left in a huff? And like, Which, that's just being pissy. That's just being pissy, and I guess he just like went and, and lived in the woods for a week or something. But... It's never implied that WWE, in this reality, is a... Is, unlike the Scooby-Doo stage show, a touring production. Yeah, it seems like the audience has to come to WWE City to see any wrestling, match, which they have you know, every night of the week, of course. Yeah. And which makes me wonder why WrestleMania is that big a deal, because the wrestlers at WrestleMania were the exact same as the wrestlers from, like, the night before. And it was in the same building. Now, I, you know, WrestleMania was just uh, a couple of weeks ago, WrestleMania 35 in... Uh, in Jersey, and I was there. Do you know how many people were there? I, I have to estimate about 35,000. 80,000 people. That arena in the film, based <laughs> on my having been to concerts, 17,000 maybe? Yeah, yeah. Maybe? And this is insane that WWE, and also the fact that people are just like walking in, to a sold-out WWE show, there's no security, there's no anything. People, There's just, like, kids wandering around in the lobby. Well, that's because the, the security is too busy guarding, like, a belt and <laughs> a nuclear reactor. <laughs> yeah! Which so, I, I laughed out loud when they did the whip pan. <laughs> They're like, oh, it's gonna hit the generator. And I was like, wait, this runs on a generator, not just, like, the national power grid? And it whip pans down to this crazy reactor with one security guard just standing there. <laughs> yeah, this this modestly sized convention center needs a freestanding nuclear reactor to provide power to it for some reason. I mean, it's it's you know, it's WrestleMania, you know, that's you know, so much electricity just to light the place. It seems like the lights are generally if they're not fluorescent, they look like they're fluorescent. Yeah, 
it's uh it's fucking wild so also i feel like we blew right past this but in the first scene in the movie a demon bear attacks wwe superstar the miz who you might remember from the real world and nearly kills him and they play it off as comedy but Miz spends the rest of the movie in traction. Yeah, he's like he's so he's in such bad shape that <laughs> he's like shirtless, and I, I doesn't seem like it's a choice. Like John Cena, it seems like he just is in such a bad state he can't put on a shirt because of the bandaging. Right, so he's got a cast on his leg. He's got a cast on his arm. He gets slashed in the face by an enormous bear claw, and he's like scooting up the Triple H Colossus of Rhodes thing on the way in to try to get away from this demon bear. And the bear knocks the Triple H statue down and it collapses on top of the Miz, apparently breaking several of his bones. And I guess just by the grace of the Wakandan-style medical assistance that they have in WWE City, Miz is saved. He doesn't die. But this is the only time I've ever seen somebody injured in a Scooby-Doo film or pro- or property of any kind. I, I will I will say if you haven't seen, and this is the only episode of uh, of that show I've ever seen, but the supernatural Scooby-Doo crossover, people die. <laughs> Gen- genuine, it's a cartoon. It's Frank Welker. It's it's an official Scooby Doo crossover, but because it's supernatural, like the stakes are elevated, and it actually they they play that element up, and suddenly the character's like, oh, this is not what usually happens. Usually, like everybody's okay. I won't get injured, and like I think Shaggy breaks his arm or something, and it stays broken, and they're like, I don't understand what's happening. And it's a really effective way to like comment on that. They did a really good job of, of playing that up. And this was just totally all over the place. Also, pacing was very... I have to imagine nobody except like the Mystery Inc. kids recorded their dialogue at the same time. Somebody would say something, and then there would just be like a weird pause before the response. And I, the editing, at least the sound editing, was... Why, I almost wonder if they didn't animate it first. Yeah, the production was super weird. There's a few line readings that John Cena has that are good. Everybody else, you didn't need to get the real Brodus Clay for this shit. No, you you did not. I did appreciate the weird Jerry Lawler cameo, though he seemed to be the same age as everybody else. Yeah. He's like 70. Yeah, and they were really generous to Sergeant Slaughter. They were really generous to everybody's physiques in this. They made John Cena like 10 feet tall. And they made Sergeant Slaughter, despite the fact that he's also in his 70s, they made him look about as good as the old uh, Ruby Spears G.I. Joe cartoon made him look. Yeah, and and I was like, I mean, if we're doing this, just throw Andy Kaufman in there. Why not? (laughs) Have him, have him just, just kind of sitting at the same table, just like poking Jerry Lawler or something like that, just to, just to bug him. Yeah, they, they absolutely wasted. Jerry Lawler has 
a sizable amount, and as does Sergeant Slaughter, a sizable amount of pop culture capital. Like, non-wrestling fans probably know who they are because they've been in other shit. Yeah, I know who Jerry Lawler is despite not being a wrestling fan. Yeah, and, and yet, well, but probably he, 24, um, John Cena was still, you know, he was a big name then, but everybody else was just big within WWE, and so maybe Jerry Lawler's like, what? No, you can't afford me. I'm a, like a, I'm a real person now. <laughs> like, I'm not under any contract. <laughs> I'm a free bitch. <laughs> Jerry Lawler, free bitch. So... They go to the training, they get, so they go to the, the match, and then they get taken to the training camp where the wrestlers that just had a match are just continuing to, to wrestle. wrestle beside, like, a 24-hour diner. And my first thought was, like, it's, it's like when Fish plays a festival where they're the only headliner, and then after their set, they go to a different part of the festival ground and then just perform again <laughs> for, like, an hour to, like, wind down. I was like, this is this is WWE. It's it's super fans. It's a very specific tribe-like nature. And then when the wrestling is over, there's just more wrestling. Yeah, in Wrestling City. And there appear to be... Like there's a belt carved into the mountain like it's Mount Rushmore. I know. Which, which fucking Native American tribe had its sacred mountain <laughs> defaced by a WWE championship oh, belt? I wish that it played into it like... That it was an angered native tribe that created the ghost bear. That actually would have made more sense. So here's why I think this takes place in Connecticut. In the distance, you see, oh, please. you see the you see the office building with the giant WWE flag. That is Titan Towers, which is WWE's actual corporate headquarters in Stanford, Connecticut. So I am forced to assume that Vince McMahon in this fictional universe, has purchased the remainder of Stamford, Connecticut, raised it to the ground, and built his medieval fiefdom within these walls. I'd have to imagine, then, that there's also a, some kind of post-apocalyptic nature to this. Because... It, so the, it's Because it also seems to be the only civilization for miles. So it's not just that he raised Stamford. I'd like to think Stamford was blown up that's why WrestleMania has to be powered by a nuclear generator. <laughs> because the the national power grid has been knocked out. That's how John Cena knows a lot about EMPs. Because <laughs> this has happened before. That's right. John Cena is... And that's why there's why so few wrestlers. Questioning that there's a ghost bear. Everybody's like, yeah, ghost bear seems like a plausible thing that could be going on. Yeah, anything after the now, event. There's no such thing as ghosts, like in every other Scooby-Doo thing. That's like, oh no, the, this bear has done many attacks to our office. <laughs> yes! <laughs> Everybody's aware of the fucking bear, which is able to get into every building there and wreck shit up. And it destroys Sin Cara's car. It destroys... This they, bear... They never explain how the bear... Because, spoiler alert for Scooby-Doo, the bear is a person in a costume. They never go into details over how the costume works and how he has that amount of super strength. Right. Let's talk about this. Let's talk about this. John Cena's friend Cookie is the bear. Spoilers, yes. I'm so sorry. 
John Cena's friend Cookie, who it never explains what his job is, why he's there. He's like a personal. Tra- I did write very or after I, the first person I guessed that did it was the old guy, but I knew it wasn't him. And then the second guess that I had was Cookie because he had just like a weird look that I thought could be just the weird pacing of this, but he he said something and then gave a weird look, and I was like, oh, Cookie did it. Yeah, Cookie definitely did it. Uh, so he's John Cena's friend. He's a trainer or something. He's a former wrestler. And he injured his knee and had to retire from wrestling and then became a trainer or coach or something. And I guess the implication is that his bitterness over, you know, his career has led him to pretend to be a giant bear and wreck shit up. But here's the thing. When he's in the bear costume, he's able to lift cars over his head. He's able to effortlessly fight off five professional wrestlers, an adult human being, and a very smart dog, all at the same time without breaking a sweat. Why did he have to retire from wrestling? He was fine. He's got, like, a brace on his knee. Yeah, but it never that, comes into play. He's not, he's not a paraplegic... Uh, he's not even like, uh, there was that, I think UCLA gymnast that I don't know if you saw the video, but she, she landed badly and broke both of her legs. It's, it's a gruesome video. And she's like, yeah, okay. So my gymnastics career is over. I don't think she's about to like try and blow up the UCLA gymnastics center out of resentment, especially if she could come up with a super strong bear suit. Yeah. Well, is the bear suit super strong? Is this a fucking Iron Man suit that looks like a bear? Like, one of the best parts of the Scooby-Doo thing, it's not the who did it, it's the how it was done. And they didn't do that. They no. just said, oh, it was Cookie, and then his motive, and then they took it away. It's like, oh, they used dry ice and a film projector to, you know, to the uh, the the ghost of the great uh, eagle chief, or whatever the fuck, or the ghost pirates, or whatever, right? That's a staple of the yeah. Scooby-Doo franchise. In this, we have a man, we see him lift a car over his head multiple times. Cause an explosion that is illustrated like a mushroom cloud. <laughs> yes! Because he throws a car into a water tower that it was apparently filled with kerosene. I don't know. And he goes on this rampage, uh, repeated rampages, a cave system floods and he swims through it with his powerful legs that are not compromised in any way. And then he's like, oh, my bad leg made me retire. Motherfucker, what are you talking about? You are a superhuman athlete. Well, they did have one scene where they explained how it was done, and it's earlier on when they talk about how Scooby-Doo gets mind-controlled by a video game. <laughs> they, they do explain that much, which... Uh, so much of this seemed like such a long walk to create what could have been a very simple mystery. Just, like, have there be some kind of ghost and have the ghost have stolen the belt and they have to get the belt back. Like, there's the mystery working there. And instead, I feel like they wrote this forward. Yeah. Let, let's just pare this down. Let's just say, you and I, right now, we, we are the Hanna-Barbera employees that have been sent... $10,000 and 14 pounds of cocaine by Vince McMahon. And we've been tasked with writing this script. 
I don't think I would include a bear demon at all. No, in fact, I feel like it would be cooler to include, like, a ghost professional wrestler. Like, you gotta keep a ghost element in there, because it's Scooby-Doo. But if there was, like, oh, let's say, opening scene is, let's say, John Cena versus Kane or something like that, wrestling for the belt. Kane loses, leaves the ring. John Cena is now holding up the belt. And then a mysterious ghost wrestler comes in, takes him down, takes the belt, and gets out. There's the mystery. Yes. You could have them watching at home, and they could be like, oh, wow, this is the most interesting storyline I've ever seen in wrestling. And then it turns out it's not a storyline. There's actually a Phantom of the Opera-style ghost who is traveling around with WWE, because WWE is a touring company, and that's why they're like, it must be somebody on the inside, because, you know, he appeared in Mudlick, Kentucky last week, and, you know, here he is in, uh, in my version, there's no such thing as WWE City, because I think it's insane. Uh, and here he is in, you know, Bowling Green, Ohio, the next week. So, the mystery is, how does this person repeatedly get into WWE events, and how does he get past security? Or- or, you know, even if it's not happening repeatedly, it happens. And just say that the gang is already at the match because why not? They don't need all that effort to, like, get them to a WWE thing if there's no WWE city. Or even if there is, just have them already be there and just say, like, well, I'm so glad we won these tickets on the radio. And yeah. Velma can be like, well, I'm being a nerd about this, but it's a good excuse to compare it to, like, Greco-Roman wrestling and... Daphne can be like, I'm a girl, and I think this is boring. And Fred's like, I'm happy about everything all the time. Like, I, would be, I wouldn't be like, why are they at a wrestling match? I, I, I might question if, like, why are they at a drag show? But, like, them at, at a pro wrestling match in a movie that is called the Scooby-Doo WrestleMania Mystery, I would just, I would accept that way more than I've accepted anything about the video game they were playing. Yeah, every decision in this movie raises 35 questions. So I did like when, when Cookie is talking to his nephew, Ruben, and he's, like, encouraging him to take, like, computer classes. Yes! Just vague, like, no, I mean, you've got to get into computer classics. And I was like, if this, this is the new plastics. Yes. <laughs> One word. But because Ruben's, Ruben's, like, ostensibly one of the, the good guys. So that means that this movie is taking a decidedly anti-computer science turn. Yeah, also, can I just say that Ruben was able to hack into WWE's screens with very minimal effort, like he's fucking Tony Stark. So I think maybe he doesn't need those computer classes you're sending him to at the Learning Annex, Uncle Cookie. Yeah, and then at the end, it was like McMahon is like, you can wrestle, or you can do computers. The choice is yours. I'm like, I, I don't know, taco night, pork and Dos. Clearly he can use that as a character. It's better than the bone bender. <laughs> that is one of my, my favorite lines in the movie, though, where he says, I made my own costume out of bones I bought on the internet. <laughs> that was... That was good, though. My, my favorite line... After after the uh, the ghost bear like blows all that shit up and and uh, throws the car, is when Cookie comes out and he goes, "The ghost bear has come to challenge us all." 
was a phrase that was spoken in this movie. The ghost bear has come to challenge us all. Like, I would believe that from, like, a foreign film director directing their first English film. <laughs> or even, like, I could imagine that from the mouth of, like, Werner Herzog. <laughs> well, this was directed ghost by bear Werner Herzog. has come to challenge us all. <laughs> You're but for... not for, like, a disgruntled ex-wrestler in a Scooby-Doo cartoon. He's thrown... First of all, that's a really fucking quick change, because he was thrown into a... <laughs> there was a huge fireball, and he ran into his underground cave system, apparently just hopped out of that bear suit, and then booked it back to the surface. It took the Scooby gang, like, 20 minutes. They had to cross a pit of spikes... <laughs> I will say, that sequence where it starts with, like, the classic, oh, they're running back and forth in different directions, but then it keeps going through the system, and it all is one shot. That's probably also where the rest of the budget went to animating that sequence, because I thought it was a genuinely well-done chase sequence. Yeah, also, the the whole sequence, and then when it floods, and... One of my favorite parts of the movie is where Shaggy and Scooby use John Cena's unconscious body to surf their way out of a flooding cave. In what was clearly the inspiration for the Daniel Radcliffe movie Swiss Army Man. Oh my god. Oh, I before I forget... John Cena is from Boston. Um, he has taken some pretty great pains to hide his Boston accent in a in a sort of Chris Evans kind of way, where it's like ninety nine percent of the time you can't tell. But then there's one word in a hundred where you're like, "That's the most Boston guy I've ever seen in my entire life." And John Cena's line, "I wrote this down." <laughs> he says, "I." In my memory, he looks directly at the camera that doesn't exist, and he says, he's going to narc the lights out at WrestleMania? <laughs> How is that the best take? Yeah, I mean, you get one. Yeah, you get one. Oh. <laughs> he's going to knock the lights out at WrestleMania? Not on my watch. And then the cave floods. John Cena is knocked unconscious and his body is being carried through the cave system just perpendicular <laughs> like a torpedo. Shaggy and Scooby manage to get on him. Each one of them grabs an arm and they like surf his body. Fuck. Expertly. Expertly. have done this before. And they get him out, they get him out of the cave system. Oh my God. Can we also talk about how John Cena... Apparently, they think John Cena is just Superman. John Cena rescues the Scooby gang approximately 25 times during the course of this film. He pulls their car out of a ditch with his bare hands the first time they meet him. Then, in that weird sequence where they're being chased down the mountain by giant boulders, John Cena pulls them to safety, and Fred's like, how did you even find us? And he's like, Daphne texted me. I'm like, Daphne texted you fucking what gps coordinates just like help boulders and he's like 
oh, well, you know, I, I know where the, the most loose gravel in the area is. <laughs> and based on re- readings of recent seismic events, I was able to, like, yeah, it makes no sense. And I guess he just I mean, leapt onto the mountain in a single bound like the Incredible Hulk. <laughs> I don't and know. Every time, he ta- every time he takes off his shirt, speaking of the Hulk, every time he takes off his shirt, he's about twice as big. Yes! <laughs> The scene where he takes off his shirt and stands next to Fred and Fred just sort of looks at him uneasily and Daphne again is horrid. It's like, is Fred's humiliation part of it for her? He's a cuck. Fred's a cuck. You heard it here first, folks. Fred Jones is a cuck. (laughs) But then at the end, when Fred saves the day by operating the lights... I, I feel like it might have been a weird knock on the intelligence of WWE viewers when they use a bunch of flares to light the place, and you hear people going, yeah, okay, it's part of the show. I was wondering if this is part of the show or not. Yeah. Oh, can we talk about, you talked about the sexy college girls who were watching WWE at home. Can yes. we talk about the weird, bad future version of of Daphne and Shaggy and their bastard child? <laughs> Like I've, you know, I, you know, I will sit down and watch things with my parents, and uh, WrestleMania has never been one of them. Uh, not to knock anybody that's that had that as a family experience, but the the it, the way that they're drawn makes it look like it's it's wholesome family entertainment. Right, but they are very clearly like the mother is disheveled. Her. Her hair is not looking great. The father is... The the house looks weirdly 70s, even though the, the rest of the movie is not. It's the Boston suburbs. I'm calling it now. It's the... Having just been in the Boston suburbs, it's the Boston suburbs. It's it's John Cena's family. <laughs> it's, that's what it is. It's it's uh, his, his parents and his... Uh, like, they had a baby super late in life, like 25 years younger brother. Little Timmy Cena... <laughs> <laughs> that's what this movie needed was a scrappy do true true and it, I, I'm trying to think who would, who would the scrappy do in this be I think it might have been Vince McMahon <laughs> just beca- just sort of out of sheer abrasiveness yeah yeah I think just like he shows up and you're like oh god here we go <laughs> so they have so they use Wrestlemania there's a law there is a law in WWE City that says anybody that has been arrested for a crime can win their freedom in the ring. Yeah, WWE City has trial by combat on the books. In America. But this, yes. this adds to my, my theory of this being a post-apocalyptic America. <laughs> that this is a, a city with its own laws because out the other world... You know, there's there's no rule, so they've developed their own system of, of checks and balances. So Scooby Doo and Shaggy, because Shaggy's the accomplice of both of the game, have to fight Kane. Which yeah, that seems like a fair because he was the only one they couldn't find a partner for. This place is inhabited by nothing but pro wrestlers. But only only five of them have names. True, true, or they are retired. So, flash forward to the to the final battle, right? We've got Shaggy and Scooby-Doo uh, in their wrestling personae as Skinny Man and Dead Meat. Both of which were nicknames for me in high school. 
and they, they they face off and they had there was a I have to imagine a nod to airplane where you see Kane and then just behind Kane is a picture of Kane that is identical. They're making the same expression, they're drawn exactly the same. And it's like that gag in airplane when Lloyd Bridges like leans over his desk with a cigarette and behind him is a picture of him <laughs> leaning over his desk with a cigarette. I guess. So Kane wrestles Shaggy and Scooby and just takes him into the fucking woodshed. Shaggy gets completely tied up in the ropes. And as and then he says to Scooby, he gives Scooby like <laughs> these words of encouragement where he's like, Scoob, you know all the moves, Scoob. <laughs> and then Scooby-Doo uses the victory dance from the video game to fucking Dragon Ball Z dodge around Kane. And uh, those weren't wrestling moves. That that was the victory dance from after the You can't just you can't just break dance around somebody who's trying to fight you. Yeah, that would be like, you know, somebody being like, "Well, I've never played football, but I've watched a lot of football." And then somebody like they catch the ball and then they're still in the middle of the field and then they just start doing a touchdown dance. Yeah, it would be like, yeah, it's the thing, like the celebratory thing that's sort of related to the actual contest. So I'll do you one better. This is like, if you're like, you're on a football field, somebody passes you the ball and you just start doing a cheer. Yeah. That's not going to fucking teleport you to the, <laughs> teleport you to the, to the goal line. Fuck. I don't know anything about football end zone. Um, Neither do I. We're, we're, we're probably not the people that should be making football metaphors. No, no. And you know what? I recognize this, and because of that, I will not write a movie where Scooby-Doo wins the Super Bowl. Though it would probably be more coherent than this. Yeah, I guess so. Because this was absolutely bonkers. So, Scooby is about to defeat Kane when the arena is attacked by the Ghost Bear. Well, Well, first... First, they realize that whoever the goat, probably whoever the ghost bear is, hid an EMP in a fake version of the belt. Right. To blow the power, because I guess blowing the power would ruin WrestleMania. I feel like it would just make it like a notable thing. I feel like somebody dying would ruin WrestleMania. But <laughs> if like the power went out, I feel like people would just be like, oh, that's unfortunate, but no shit happens. So then the power goes out because the belt triggers the generator to blow. So then, but at the same time, they're luring the bear there, but it seemed like the bear was going to be there anyway. Right. Because the bear's goal is to steal the championship. So in order to steal the belt, because it's made of like real gold and diamonds and it wants to ruin WrestleMania, not just by turning out the lights, but by like injuring people. So they didn't need to set a, a, a trap to like, get it there like they could have just assumed it was going to show up anyway and let things happen also like a real wwe championship belt costs about ten thousand dollars like to have to have one cast and made and all that right and that's with real gems and solid gold and whatever the fuck you could make so much more than ten thousand dollars with a super powered bear costume yeah they they were like yeah because with the diamonds and jewels on that he was going to be set for life $10,000, $10,000, he'd be set for like seven months. Yeah. Conservatively. Uh, 
none of this made any goddamn sense at all. What was he going to melt it down? I, they trap him in the cage, which was, I, I applauded their use of the cage as a literal cage. Yes. It's like, all right, that's smart. They had, they got to work the cage in somehow. It wasn't the octagon, but they got, they got the cage in. There's, they've got him pinned down. There's a professional wrestler on every limb, but they can't quite hold him until a Great Dane <laughs> is on its chest. <laughs> Adding, I don't know, maybe another hundred pounds. They're, they're big dogs, but like he's nowhere near as big as any of the other things. Yeah, Kane weighs three hundred and fifty pounds, maybe. <laughs> like if there's like five people moving a couch, and then I come up, I'm not contributing. Wait, 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 wait. We we blew right past this. The part where they kick the power back onto WrestleMania, because. Triple H is outside in a rainstorm in his wrestling gear, harnessing the power of lightning to send (laughs) two generator trucks and a switch that is like impossibly difficult to pull. Like it was designed to be like, right. Only a pro wrestler can get the power back on. Yeah. So Triple H saves the day by, coursing 1.21 gigawatts of electricity back into the WrestleMania nuclear reactor. What was their plan if it wasn't raining? Yeah, it's just so so lucky that it not just rained, but happened to be a lightning storm at that exact time. Yeah, it's not like they knew lightning was going to strike the clock tower. Like, So anyway, power comes back on. We've got... John Cena and Sin Cara, they, they bolt into the ring to help fight this bear. The match is apparently still going on, by the way. This match was the first and apparently only match at WrestleMania, which was Kane versus a man and his pet. Yeah, now when you, so you were at WrestleMania from the time the event started to the time it ended, how long was it? Well, first match started about 7.30, the show ended about 12.30. This WrestleMania event appeared to last about 35 minutes. Yeah, conservatively, about 35 minutes. None of the other wrestlers had any role on the show, despite the fact that... What was the card of WrestleMania going to be if a dog didn't get Manchurian candidated into stealing a belt? It would have just been whatever it had been at the house show the night before. God damn, This movie is fucking and, insane. And Kane, and Kane talks sometimes. It kind of undermined the vibe, because he'd just be like, silent and intimidating and he would just grunt and then he'd just be like good match I accept your challenge uh, Kane's a mayor now by the way is he? yeah Kane retired and is now the Republican mayor of Knox County Tennessee well, that's unfortunate <laughs> <laughs> so that's a, that's a real thing that happened uh, let's see the so then, then, then you know, they, they take down the bear and it's Cookie, and they take him away, and then Apparently. his nephew becomes a pro wrestler, and they saved the day. There was no post-credit stinger. No. It just kind of ended. Now, it's wild that there's no post-credit stinger, because this movie has a fucking sequel. It does have a sequel. Scooby-Doo and the Curse of the Speed Demon? Which is not just a WWE crossover, it's a WWE crossover where they drive cars. Yeah, like some kind of amazing race. Yeah, wacky racers kind of thing. 
it replaces Mindy Cohn with Kate Micucci, but keeps Matthew, keeps Matthew Lillard and Frank Welker and uh, and Great Lyle, and then just has a bunch of wrestlers that I have never heard of, and like two that were in this. Well, it adds the Undertaker. Yes, I've heard. I have heard of the Undertaker. I don't know Triple H and the Miz were in this. I've heard of Page, um, and then all these like mononomic uh, wrestlers. Just Lana, like okay, that one would think there's like a you know a cooler name than just like Lana is actually pretty cool. She's the ravishing Russian Lana. She's kind of got a uh, a. Rocky Four. Um, what's her fucking name? Oh, I, I I don't know. I don't know that I've seen Rocky Four. Oh, God damn it! Sylvester Stallone was married to her. I do know that the that the uh, that Lana is actually from Gainesville. Gainesville, Florida. Um, let's see. Oh, Hulk Hogan was supposed to be in the Curse of the Speed Demon film. Oh, until his, uh... They, they, because he was racist. Yeah, not, not racer, racist, yeah. Uh, and Mark, the final film for the late Dusty Rhodes. Oh, Dusty Rhodes, daddy, I love the American dream, Dusty Rhodes. Did they replace Hulk Hogan with Dusty Rhodes? Is that what happened? Uh, you know, I... He doesn't say whether or not they replaced him. It just says that they they uh, got Hulk out of it because he had his contract terminated. It says also marks the final film for Dusty Rhodes, who already did voice work prior to his death a year before the film's release. Uh, Dusty Rhodes was fucking great. Um, let's see. Okay, okay, okay. Uh, Gold Dust. Fucking love Gold Dust. Uh, Gold Dust is like a uh, pansexual Oscar statuette as a professional wrestler. He's great. A weird choice, though. <laughs> Honestly, yeah. Now, looking at this, I know I was I was gonna say, well, the follow up episode has to be about that, but then I literally just stumbled upon the direct to video animated film, The Flintstones and WWE Stone Age, Age Smackdown. Smackdown. Yeah, which has John O'Hurley. It's got uh, John Cena as John Cena Stone. Hold on. Pause. 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 John Cenozoic was right there. It was oh, right shit. there. They really need to employ you at either Hanna-Barbera or WWE. I'll take either one. I do appreciate this one. CM Punk as CM Punk Rock. <laughs> <laughs> and then The Undertaker as himself. <laughs> the Undertaker is very, very old, bordering on the prehistoric. I... Like I, I'm glad we did this early enough in the day, uh, just because if I went to bed immediately after having watched this, oh, I, I would not sleep well. No, because you have to, you have to have another soul bear witness to what you've borne witness to. You've got Your mystery loves company. <laughs> Almost makes you want to. Uh... Uh, be homeless and drive a van around the country for 50 years, huh? No, I, I mean, this actually does slightly make me, you know how, like, some people will, like, you know, math nerds, like, write their own algebraic equations for them to 
figure out on their own. They're just like write some numbers and be like, let me try and solve this. I kind of now want to try writing an episode of Scooby Doo to just to see if I can do it. Just write like a Scooby Doo spec script to see <laughs> can I like can I figure out a mystery that then has like work backwards from it or do it like this and work forwards and be like, I guess we have to explain all these things that we set up somehow or not. Why not? Uh, Scooby-Doo finds the true identity of D.B. Cooper. Ooh. Ooh, yes. Scooby-Doo's cold case files. Scooby, Scooby, Doobie, Coop? Scooby, D.B. Coop. Scooby, D.B. Coop. (laughs) It just sounds like you're having a stroke. Anybody else know burnt toast? <laughs> this has absolutely nothing to do with anything, anything at all that we've just talked about. But um, one of my favorite people on the face of the earth is my coworker Billy. Uh, Billy sits next to me. Billy's a sweetheart. Billy is sixty years old. Billy is a cartoon character come to life. Uh, you, you texted me earlier today telling me that you got to spend the morning with Muppets. I get to spend every work day with a Muppet. So Billy is the king of hilarious malapropisms. He just, he just comes out with them and they shock you. They surprise you. They knock you on your ass like a surprise left hook and, I've been playing with, uh, on my lunch breaks, I've been uh, playing with Duolingo. And I have been teaching myself uh, German and Spanish and Irish. And uh, I tried Greek. Greek is fucking difficult. As is High Valyrian, which is on there also. Okay. So, anyway, I was on my lunch break and I was uh, was doing an Irish lesson. And Billy was like, what you got there? I'm like, well, it's, it's Irish, Billy. And he says, <laughs> he says, he goes, oh, Irish? What about that little green elf? The Heffergon? <laughs> the little green elf. The Heffergon, yeah. The great gazoo, of course. <laughs> yes, the bring things back full circle. Yeah, you know, every, you know, every every St. Patrick's Day when you you look under the four leaf clover bush and you hear "Hello, Dum Dum." You know, I <laughs> I was wondering what <laughs> I was wondering what the uh, the fucking stinger was going to be for this episode and now i know exactly what it's going to be it's going to be the the ditty that uh jinx strange uh my my brother from another mother i told him the heffergon story and he produced a ditty about the heffergon <laughs> and i'm just gonna i'm just gonna insert that in as as the stinger uh for the episode and after we stop recording i will uh I'll, I will play it for you, uh, Jason, just so you can uh, you can have the magic in your life. Um, oh, please! I do want to say for the for the, the the movie that we that we watched, the song that played during the opening credits. It was written and 
performed by a guy called Andy Sturmer. Uh, and Andy Sturmer was the lead singer and drummer of a band in the early 90s called Jellyfish. And Jellyfish is one of my favorite bands of all time. They have only two albums, and they're just a, a straight-up masterpiece. Uh, but he then sort of just disappeared. Like, the, I truly, I have done digging. I know people that have worked with him. There is not a single photograph of him after 1994 that I can find on the Internet. And what he did was he retired into the world of music for children's animation. So he ah, does the, a uh, lot the Mark of music for Scooby-Doo things. Um, well, Mark Mother's Wife does a lot more of the scoring, but this is more like you need an original song for your Scooby-Doo movie. Andy Sturmer's the guy, and he's also done like Winnie the Pooh. But he keeps putting in weird pseudonyms for the performer, even though, for me anyway, he's got like an immediately recognizable voice. Like the song started, and I was like, oh shit, it's Andy Sturmer. And in the credits it says, written by Andy Sturmer, performed by Socrates Devinger. <laughs> That's a pretty solid wrestling character. Yeah, like I would, you know, like you'd, you'd see uh, see John Cena versus Socrates Devonshire. <laughs> oh, up against Skinny Man and Dead Meat in the cage. In the cage. Oh my god. Oh my my question to you is: Did Tara watch this with you? She did. She did. She had to split at about six o'clock to make her play, but. Yes, she did. Uh, she did watch it with me. Yes. Please record a segment with her thoughts on this because I need to hear them. <laughs> okay, we will. Uh, and an and addendum, but I, I do need her, all of her thoughts on this. She had she had some 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 perspectives that uh, that uh, that we didn't quite touch on, and that's going to be, uh, uh, probably right. Here. Please stop practicing your Welsh and come talk to me about Scooby-Doo. Hello. <laughs> I've made this special trip forward in time to get your thoughts on the Scooby-Doo podcast, and here you are uh, learning a Celtic language. <laughs> I find it to be very interesting. Thank you ever so much. Just as I also found the Scooby-Doo movie very interesting. Number one, there is a character named Cookie. I really enjoy saying the word Cookie lately because I discovered that it is uh, perfect for my little Terra accent you that would, I have. We call them Terra words. They're Terra words like things and... My real one piece of commentary that I've retained, because I watched this movie about a week ago, is there is a scene where Scooby breakdances. He's prompted to complete a, a wrestling victory dance, if you will. Which doesn't um, exist. They're not a real thing. No, the football ones do. Scooby should have just done, like, the icky shuffle. Mm -hmm. But, see, I know some football things. I, you could be making that up. I wouldn't know. No, it's true. The icky shuffle. I can do it for you later. Um... So Scooby has to do this dance, he has to copy Sin Cara's moves, and he starts breakdancing, and when I watched this with Matt the first time, I went, oh, it's breaking to electric Scoobaloo. <laughs> and Matt liked it very much, as he does still. <laughs> it's still quality content. Thank you. I enjoyed this. Oh, 
I'm sorry. Before you continue your thoughts, yes. I would also like to register my favorite commentary that I yes. made during the film, okay. which I forgot to mention during the initial recording yes. with Jason. And this takes place when uh, the raccoon. raccoon, who's maybe we don't really get an ultimate judgment on the morality of the the moral alignment of the raccoon. Chaotic evil, true neutral, I don't know. Maybe a chaotic neutral. Maybe a chaotic neutral. Anyway, he's Scooby-Doo's nemesis in this film. He is. And Scooby uh, nearly causes a car accident that kills the entire gang trying to murder this raccoon. And my thought, watching this very uncharacteristic show of aggression by Scooby-Doo, is that Scooby-Doo has so much crippling anxiety that he doesn't really need an external nemesis. I agree with you. It's very true. Scooby is always like... He's always just very... He is often like that. (laughs) I don't even know know what to say here. This movie, I enjoyed it very much. I would watch it again. I want to watch the sequel. Again, I love that a character is named Cookie and he is a very big masculine type man. I love when a man has a sort of cutesy nickname. Like I've probably mentioned this on the podcast before, but my mom knew a guy and then told me he died and his name was Pookie Vital. It's my favorite name ever. Pookie Vital. This guy was like straight up a dock worker. I maybe had some criminal connections in Nork. Like, Pookie? Your no. name is Pookie. You are a grown man with a pinky ass ring and a cigar, and your name is Pookie. Now, I, I don't mean to to deal heavily in stereotypes here, but are you suggesting that there's any possibility? That a man named Pookie Vital, who is a dock worker in Newark, with a pinky ring and a cigar, might not have criminal connections? No, no, no. I just, like, I know my family and I know what's around. <laughs> it's just that. It's just, like, you could Google him. He probably went to jail. Um, I just, like... Your mom just told you he died. <laughs> <laughs> um, Pookie's listening to this in the yard going the fuck bro so i did i'm sorry pookie i did love he's dead please or is he in jail <laughs> please i don't want to be buried under uh, uh giant stadium doesn't even exist anymore huh mm. don't bury me under metlife stadium we spent enough time there at wrestlemania anyway i enjoyed this movie I would happily, happily watch it again. I love that Matthew Lillard was involved. He is a tremendous shaggy at all turns. I love that there was a weird <laughs> a shaggy pro... for all seasons. <laughs> I love that there was a somewhat pro IT message in this. It was like <laughs> instead of be- instead of there being army propaganda, because Sergeant Slaughter had like no speaking time. There's a little bit of screen time. This was like a go to the DeVry Institute, kids. Yeah. Learn some computer skills. Which is also that's a good point because 90% of WWE's filmic output is weird military propaganda, propaganda. So this given is, the whole Marine franchise. <laughs> this is a DeVry Institute of I, Technology propagandic film. I straight up think there's more Marine films than there are missing in action films or Rambo films. The movie I worked on was not military affiliated. It was like gangster affiliated. Was and it that was Dead Man Down, right? It was Dead Man Down with Wade Barrett. Which is, that one's like sort of Guy Ritchie adjacent. 
Kind of, yeah, like Dominic Cooper wears a purple tracksuit, so yeah. Okay, yeah, the tracks. We'll talk about that at purple a later. Purple tracks. We'll talk, we'll talk about that at a later date. Anyway, this movie was very fun. I really wish I had taken notes. <laughs> I tried to take notes, and it was not to be. This movie demands all of you. It really did. Jason and I, I think one of the things that we were most baffled by was the level of sexual arousal that Daphne shows. Oh, Daphne wanted to get dicked the fuck down by John <laughs> Cena. Daphne was like... <laughs> that was fucking hysterical. Daphne was ready to serve it on a purple metallic platter. She was just like, legs open, bon appetit, bitches. She wanted John Cena. I wish I could come up with a penis name. She wanted John Pena. That's what she wanted. Thank you. Thank you, Obia. She wanted John Pena. John Pena. She wanted that D for Daphne to be D for Dung. And she wanted that V for Velma to be for her Vajingo. She wanted a summer smackdown. She wanted a winter smackdown. She wanted to just sit gently. A dicking for all seasons. <laughs> Hot dicking. <laughs> Forget it. Everybody stop. Stop what you're doing and watch Dr. Tran right now. Hot dicking. I'm not a doctor. This will not age well. Um, Dr. Tran is fucking It's one of my favorite things in the whole world. Dr. Tran came out like 15 years ago. It's very upsetting. Mostly what Daphne wanted is the same sexual fantasy I have of The Rock, which is that I would just gently like to sit on the palm of his hand. That's the entire... I mean, we're, we're well, naked, but, like, that's... You just want to sit and just know that you can fit entirely on the palm yeah, of his giant hand. John Cena is about 15 feet tall in this production. That's what I'm saying, and I... So I understand it for her. I don't find John Cena attractive, but I understand Daphne's rampant lust. She's going from a guy... Fred wears a goddamn ascot, like a little bitch. And then she <laughs> sees John Cena, who's like... Fuck your ascot. I'm wearing cut-off jean shorts. I'm like the ripped Kevin Smith. And Daphne's <laughs> like, just like tearing off her fucking headband. And she's like, "It's let's go to Bone Town. We're oh. going to WWE City. We're going to get that dick in me, City. And then John Cena's <laughs> like, leave the headband on, Daphne. And she's like, yeah! So also, she gave him her number. And they were immediate. texting. She's like 16 and he's like, 42. Well, first of all, the Scooby gang are are ageless. No, she's they still like 16, though. They are immortal. Have we seen them go to college? We have not. Have we seen them age? We have not. They are they are vampire. <laughs> Did you like that one? Shaggy eating is just a ploy to make people think that he actually has a digestive tract. Just to throw them off because yes. he's, yeah, okay. Um, what I was going to say was. Yes, dear. There's the scene where uh, Daphne holds up two identical lime green scarves and says to Velma, which one do you think John would like? And Daphne looks at them sort of askance and goes, 
the left one and the joke is supposed to be that they're identical. Yes. I think the joke is that Daphne is going to show up at WrestleMania wearing In only just... a 24-inch scarf. <laughs> I think they took that from Spice World where Posh is like, which should I wear? The little Gucci dress or the little Gucci dress? I think that's what they took it from, and I respect that very much. I would love, I really wish they had a Scooby-Doo and Spice World crossover. You get those aliens from the middle of the movie, and then you get Richard E. Grant involved. Can you imagine Richard E. Grant in a Scooby-Doo caper? <laughs> that would rule! That would fucking rule! Elsewhere in this recording, we talk about upcoming Scooby-Doo. With Nailed It and I. Richard E. Grant to do a Scooby-Doo. He'll do, like, Scooby-Doo 3. Freddie Prince Jr. still looks good. Like, he could he could be in another live-action Scooby-Doo. <laughs> Matthew Lillard doesn't. Um, Matthew Lillard was great on Twin Peaks. The I'll, return. All I'm saying is that Shaggy is defined by the fact that he is a vertical line. Matthew Lillard now has some lateral growth. Do you know this for sure? Have you seen, have you taken his measurements? I have seen him the on Criminal Minds. The billowing green shirt and flowy tan pants could cover a multitude of sins. What I'm saying is Linda that... Linda Cardellini is still a smoke show. That that billowing shirt would be form-fitting, is what I'm saying. Scrappy hasn't aged well, though. That's your real problem. Yeah. Scrappy-Doo, um, you know, has a cataract eye and <laughs> has a little cane. Although I would Sad. like to congratulate <laughs> on <laughs> winning that ugliest dog in the world competition. Oh, no! Um, oh, what the fuck was I going to say? I don't know. Oh, apparently the upcoming Scooby-Doo series is like... Oh, the animation style is super weird. Well, no, it's a new one. It's not, it's not out yet. But it's called, like... Jason mentions it earlier, but it's called, like, Who's That Scooby-Doo or something? I thought there were photos online, though, of the concept art, and I thought it was weird. I think that, I think the idea is that it's going to be guest star-centric, similar to oh, the old Scooby movies. So, like, Jason Manzoukas on Scooby-Doo? Scooby-Dooby-Zook? Oh, very good. I would love for the cast of How Did This Get Made to be on Scooby-Doo. I would love for, obviously, The Rock to be on Scooby-Doo so Daphne can be like, I'm torn between these two giant beefcakes. What is a girl to do? Well, okay. Everybody knows you picked The Rock. It's not... It, no, there's no question. There's no but question like, she at all. Clearly, like, I don't get John Cena at all. So like, if she's going for John Cena, there's something I don't understand. And she might really be torn. I'm trying to think of who I would love to have on the new Scooby-Doo of just like random hooey type celebrities like sell a ward on this episode of <laughs> scooby-doo <laughs> they're surviving members of the village people on scooby-doo Vern troyer's ghost on scooby-doo hold on i can't wait i got it fucking bernie sanders on scooby-doo Ooh. Ruby <laughs> Bernie Sanders like and I would have gotten away with it too if it weren't for the corrupt greedy <laughs> politicians <laughs> like he just starts going to this five minute ramble about you know how we need criminal justice reform and tax reform and, and how his supporters need to continue to mobilize I, I just want you 
And then jo- and, and Joe Biden. That's what happens. Joe Biden joins the mystery team. They all help realize that old man Carruthers. It's not old man Carruthers. It's old man Sanders. Yes. So first we rip off the like Godzilla mask or whatever villain he's playing and it's old man Carruthers. And they're like, wait, old man Carruthers has been dead for 50 years. So they take that very convincing Charlie's Angels, LL Cool J, Drew Barrymore style mask off and it's Bernie Sanders underneath old man Carruthers and Joe Biden's just like looking at an ice cream and he's like, I knew it was that little bitch. And then Bernie <laughs> starts like, you know, I would have gotten away yeah, with real, it too. Real strong red herring energy for, for Joe Biden. Oh yeah, because Joe's always around, and you're like, maybe it's Joe, mm-hmm. but he's just. But red he's hairy. just he's just like living in the in the mystery machine for some reason. Now. Yeah. Yeah. I would like you to just. He's eating all of Shaggy's ice cream. I just want you to 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 focus in your in your mind's eye, okay. and I want you to listen to the following five words. Yes. Jinkies, isn't that Armand Asante? <laughs> actually gonna die over jinkies it's david hyde pierce (laughs) you would lose your mind you would cry excuse me excuse me yes scooby dooby big shoes (laughs) (laughs) Uh, no i i i would love i would love not david hyde pierce the crane boys in character. Oh yeah. Okay, wait. Also, another the one. whole cast of Frasier. Let's have let's have Daphne or sorry, not Daphne. We'll have Roz sort of posed like Daphne with like yeah, and this Roz, sort of yeah. uh, contrapposto. I get just standing there. Contrapposto. We get it. You went to college. Thank you so much. You also went to college. I know, but you're like oh, I went to college. Contrapposto. I'm making a contrapposto face right now. Anyway, I have it. Yes. Brucey, Brucey, no! <laughs> Scooby-Doo gonna... meets Bruce Campbell for one groovy adventure. That's a crossover! Yes. Groovy adventure! Scooby-Doo and the Army of Darkness. <laughs> <laughs> and they have to unmask the she-bitch. Bruce Campbell just... And then it's just like, who who would it be, though? Because it has to be another celebrity. If they unmet... It's like the she-bitch is, like, haunting everyone, and they pull it off, and it's... Chris McDonald. What? <laughs> <laughs> From Happy Gilmore? Oh, so woman! <laughs> <laughs> Whoa, it's gotta be just a random woman! Oh, okay. <laughs> it's a, I'm saying it's the she-bitch. She well, it's a rubber mask. With, like, you can't be Chris McDonald over there? It's Sella Ward. <laughs> I can't. I have the perfect woman, and I can't remember. You do have the perfect woman. I know, I know. You know what I'm saying. What's her name? What's her name? What's her fucking name? I, she used to. Me. She used to live near me. <laughs> a celebrity person? Yeah. She or was just in, like some random woman that she, you lived no, near? No, she was in Mystic River. The- Marsha Gay Harden? Yes. <laughs> give, me, give me Bruce Campbell emptying an entire shotgun into the she-bitch 
and then pulling off her rubber mask to find out that, oh no, he's killed Hollywood's Marsha Gay Harden. <laughs> and they're like, well, why was Marsha Gay Harden trying to scare people away from the old Simmons ranch? And they're like, we'll never know now. Bruce Campbell killed her. Okay, did you have any other thoughts before before we before we wrap up? Did you have any other thoughts about about Scoobert Do? No. Fantastic. <laughs> All right, I'm going to return you now to the rest of the originally recorded podcast with Jason already in progress. <laughs> oh. Nothing against it. Not, I tried. Okay. I tried. It just it wasn't for me. But that's oh. what I'm canceling. Hold on a second. This has been a, another episode and a truly unique episode of I Hate Wrestling. I would like to thank my guest, Jason. Thanks for having me. Of course, always a pleasure. I would like to thank Corinne Dodenhoff for designing my logo. I would like to thank the Novas for my theme song, The Crusher. I want to remind you, dear listener, to please open up your heart. And follow me on Twitter at IHWPod and Instagram at IHateWrestling. I would also like to, again, please just implore you to like, rate, review, comment, and subscribe on SoundCloud and on iTunes. Visit me at IHWPod.com. And while you're opening up your heart, open up your wallet and buy some official merch. Jason, do you have anything uh, you would like to plug this week? Uh, in general, I've got stuff on Spotify. I don't know when this episode is dropping, but uh, if you watch the 2019 daytime Emmys, not the cool nighttime Emmys, but the daytime Emmys, uh, you can see me playing keyboards with the band. Oh. Well, that's certainly the highest profile plug we've had so far on the show. Congratulations. Thanks. I mean, if you can call uh, pl- playing the same, like, 30, 15 second snippets while uh, soap opera stars accept speech is high profile. Uh, I, I, I guess <laughs> I am the friends in high places. <laughs> well, I'm not big on social. Um, ah, boy. Talk about a Garth Brooks impression that did not land. Um, <laughs> I guess the only thing that's left now is for you to tell me, Jason, what your wrestling character is this week. What, if you were going to be a wrestler, what would your character be? Oh, oh, I forgot this is part of it. This, this week, I think my character, I don't, know, I don't know what the name would be, but part of it would just be like psychologically freaking people out that I'm just, whatever they're throwing at me, I'm just stone-faced and unfazed by. Because <laughs> I, I feel like that is a role that I've had to take on in in the last few days with certain certain friends that I have to just be like, all right, one of us has to be sane right now, and you know what? It might just freak you out how fucking sane I am right now. <laughs> the cipher. The cipher. Si- yeah, yeah. And I, I mean, well, not not quite enigmatic. It'd be just like instead of stone cold, it'd be just stone stone faced. <laughs> Stone face and Jason. (laughs) I just slowly approach the other person with no expression. I 
and then they just start to back up a little bit because they're not sure what's going on, and then they trip and fall out of the ring. <laughs> oh, but who's that? It's Scooby-Doo! Dead meat has taken the stage. 